Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Tuesday evening, where we are set to continue our reflections into the book of Genesis. Brothers and sisters, if you have been journeying with me throughout this study on the book of Genesis, this evening is going to be very important for us because this evening we are going to be spending time with chapter 22. And certainly the drama of the book of Genesis reaches its greatest intensity in chapter 22, verses 1 to 19, where we have that heart-wrenching story of Abraham offering his beloved son as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. So there is so much to talk about this evening. And in principle, what I want to do is not only look at its spiritual significance, the significance of God testing Abraham, but also its theological significance, its typological significance. Remember, the word typology simply means the study of types or the study of uh, the pattern of revelation. The word itself, typus, means pattern. So we can get a deeper sense of what that pattern looks like once we better understand the Old Testament in light of the New, and the New in light of the Old. So the study of typology is that, the study of the Old in light of the New, and, and the New in light of the Old. If we are going to understand what Jesus Christ is about, it is very, very important to understand the prophetic thrust of the Old Testament, as Jesus is the fulfillment and transformation of that prophetic thrust. And in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 19, we have arguably the greatest typological image, if it's not Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, the greatest typological image in all of the Old Testament. So just by way of its spiritual significance, before we actually get into the verses, and, and I want to draw a little bit here from the Ignatius commentary, there's a beautiful uh, topical essay from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible on these verses that gets into the spiritual significance, the, the theological significance, and I wanted to, to get us going with what this commentary has to say. And, and it opens up with these words. Uh, for Abraham personally, the sacrifice of Isaac marks the high point of his developing relationship with the Lord. And when I came across this essay, that point is really what stayed with me, because what we've been doing here on Seeds of Truth is trying to grapple with the development, right? How one verse leads to the next, and the next verse leads to the subsequent verses. So again, as the commentary speaks to it here, ever since this call in chapter 12, Abraham's faith in God has been, has been gradually deepening and maturing to the point where here in Genesis chapter 22, God sees fit to test the strength of his commitment. And how important is this? We tend, I think, to just go to Genesis chapter 22 and read about Abraham's extraordinary commitment, extraordinary faith, forgetting, my friends, that this was a maturation process, 
We often hear the phrase, trust the process, most especially in the sporting world. Just trust the process. Well, what does that really mean? But the gradual maturation of, of just not a team per se, but, but someone. And that's what you have here uh, in the book of Genesis, from Genesis chapters 12 to 22, the gradual maturation of Abraham. Abraham trusted the process of ongoing transformation, right? Of ongoing transformation. In preceding chapters, what have we come to discover about Abraham? But how, in many ways, his whole plot, his whole narrative points towards this moment. I mean, initially, Abraham is asked to leave his home and and set out for the land of Canaan at the Lord's direction. Later, he is asked to sacrifice animals from his herds, which was a great sacrifice. And God asked this from him so that the Lord can put his lingering doubts to rest by the ratification of a covenant. This is what we read about in Genesis chapter 15. Then the patriarch is asked to, to sacrifice part of himself in a covenant of circumcision at the age of 99, right? In Genesis chapter 17, finally, the Lord asks for the life of Isaac, Abraham's beloved heir. You and I both know that no greater sacrifice could ever be asked of a father than this. All the more since God's promises to bless Abraham are literally bound up with Isaac on the altar. I talked about this when I was previewing the next 10 chapters back in uh, chapter 12. I mean, Abraham had every right to question God. How in the world can you, God, fulfill your promise if in fact you're telling me to kill my heir? If anyone had a right to complain, it was Abraham. And yet, Abraham, in his faith, an understanding of who God was, who God was and who God is as love. There is not an iota of self-interestedness in God. And therefore, what comes from God could not possibly be a lie. So there must be something else. This was Abraham's faith. And this is why he is the father of our faith, right? Extraordinary. So it is that Abraham learns the lesson of trustful surrender to the Lord. At each stage in the process, more is asked of him than before. Until all that Abraham holds dear is given over to God and nothing is held back. Each time he is summoned to sacrifice, each time he is asked to love the Creator more than his creatures and to, and to esteem the divine giver about his most precious gifts, even when God's promises and credibility hang by a thread in the eyes of Abraham. What are you telling me? And could we not say that because of Abraham and the fact that he trusted the process and followed this course, he shows himself to be the one who fears God? This is so significant because the Bible extols that great gift of fear of the Lord as really the preeminent religious virtue, the very essence of what it means to possess wisdom and to live uprightly in the eyes of the Almighty. What do we hear in sacred scripture? But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there's great spiritual significance. And then there's great theological significance. 
in this binding of Isaac, which in the Hebrew is the Akedah. Right? If you hear that word Akedah, that, that typically means you're about to hear the binding of Isaac. There's great typological significance because once you take this narrative in Genesis chapter 22 and compare it and reflect with it in relationship to the cross, much is revealed. Could we not say that the offering of Isaac serves as a preview of how the world's redemption would be accomplished? I mean, like Isaac, Jesus is what? An only beloved son who is not spared by his father, but is offered in sacrifice. To link the deliverance of Isaac on the third day after consignment to death with the deliverance of Jesus from death on the third day is to come to a deeper understanding that typology is more than just a game of connecting the dots. But seeing that there was a plan in place to see the ram caught by its horns in the thicket as a depiction of Jesus, the sacrificial lamb crowned with thorns, caught in the, the wood beams of the cross, is to see that there was a much deeper plan in play. To see that the sacrifice of Isaac is, is said to have taken place on Moriah, which is none other than the mountainous elevation of Jerusalem, the city where Jesus was called upon to offer his own life and sacrifice, is to see that there was a much deeper plan in play. To read these things is to come to understand that, again, as Jesus fulfills the prophetic thrust of the Old Testament, he transforms it, he perfects it, and what's more, my dear friends, he calls us to share in it. I might encourage you to read chapter 22 uh, with Isaiah chapter 53. It might enrich your experience and encounter with the Lord as you read this text, because of course, Isaiah chapter 53 is about the suffering servant. All right, let us jump into these verses. This is chapter 22, verse 1. And I think I just might give a little bit of commentary as we move through this. There's just so much. I want to make sure we get each verse for what it is. Verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Here am I. How about that? <laughs> God didn't have to go looking for Abraham like he had to go looking for Adam and Eve. Not that he had to go looking for them. He says, here am I. He didn't say, um, God, can you wait a second? Because I have something to do over here. It might take me two days or two weeks or two months. Can you just give me that time? I have so much I need to do, and then I'll give you my time. No, he said, here am I. Here am I. He said, take your son, that is God, take your son, your only begotten son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, I had just remarked that Jesus, like Isaac, was God's only beloved son. What's going on there? Well, uh, the Hebrew text states that Isaac is the only son of Abraham with the added nuance that he is unique and precious. So the expulsion and disinheritance of Ishmael is clearly presupposed. The Greek, incidentally, translates the Hebrew only son as what but beloved son, beloved son. 
Uh, the epithet beloved son, of course, is given to Jesus when? But at his baptism and transfiguration. For here we begin to see why we can say that Isaac is a type of Christ. For he was a son as Christ was a son. He carried the wood of his sacrifice just as the Lord bore the wood of the cross. He is a beloved son. And, and something we should appreciate here too is that when we read of the baptism of Jesus and the transfiguration and hear that phrase, my beloved son, be rest assured, my friends, the first readers of those New Testament texts would have also heard that language that I just read for you in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 3. Take your son, your only begotten son, Isaac, your beloved son, your unique son, your precious son, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering. Maybe those who are reading about Jesus Christ in the first and second centuries would have made that correlation. I would argue that they did. And certainly to some degree, we know that from the church fathers that they did. So Abraham rose early in the morning, verse 3 reads, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. On the third day, he saw what he needed to see off in the distance. He was looking, my friend. He was looking. Abraham was obedient. If you are a faithful listener, you know that the word obedience best translates as not only to listen, obadire, but really to listen well. And to listen well is to respond. Obedience probably best translates as response of listening. This is why the obedience of faith translates the Hebrew understanding of faith. Abraham was a man who responded because he listened well. And because he listened well, he was in search for fulfilling God's will. He wasn't just not looking at what he wanted to do, but what God asked him to do. He was looking off into the horizon. Again, remember what the commentary was really hitting. This process, this maturation process. He had Abraham going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until, yeah, he hit this point of not only no return, but sense of uh, desire to do God's will. Here am I, Abraham said. It's like Mary when she said, let it be to me, a Greek that translates, I want to do your will. I'm excited to do your will. Here am I. All right. So verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, it's interesting here because if you were to just read these series of verses isolated from the other chapters, you might be scratching your head because this is really the first time worship is used. But we know, my friends... In order for you to enter into a worship covenant relationship with God, what needed to be present? But a sacrifice. So when we read in the book of Genesis 
this interchanging of language between sacrifice and worship. We should expect that in the light of covenant, right? Because you cannot enter into a covenant relationship with God without a sacrifice. You cannot have one without the other. All right, verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Then Abraham put forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And again, what does he say here? Here am I. In other words, I haven't gone anywhere. I've come to do your will. This makes no sense, but I'm following through. I'm trusting the process. And God says, do not lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only begotten son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Mm, mm, mm. What is going on here? Let us go back to verse 12. Do not lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only begotten son from me. Abraham has learned the lesson of total and absolute surrender to God that we spoke of earlier. Interestingly, my friends, St. Paul alludes to this verse, does he not, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, when he marvels that God the Father did not spare his own son, but instead surrendered him to be sacrificed for the world. How about verse 14? The Lord will provide. The Lord will see. <laughs> the idea here is that God will See to providing a lamb for sacrifice. By the way, take a closer look at this verse. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Recall that he's on top of Mount Moriah. Where is Mount Moriah? He's in the city of Salem. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. The Hebrew there for provide is Jeru, J-A-I-R-U, when you translate the Hebrew to the English, Jairu Salem. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 13, Mount Moriah was in the city of Salem. In Genesis chapter 22, <laughs> verse 14, based upon the declaration that God inspired Abraham, it is no longer the city of Salem. 
but the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. No longer is it just the city of peace, but the city of peace where God will provide the lamb. And does he provide the lamb in the immediate future, in the immediate now for Abraham? Yes. What did we read? Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up. As Archbishop Fulton Sheen once noted, if you were to translate the word for wood beam, what do you get? This idea of, of horns. Jesus's crown of thorns, this thicket, was caught in the horns, right? Thickets and horns were intertwined on Mount Moriah in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. And so they were, 1,800 years later, roughly on Calvary in Jerusalem. And God followed through on his promise that he was going to provide the lamb. And that lamb, we know, was another beloved son. This is why it was never enough for Paul to just preach Christ, but to preach Christ crucified, because Christ crucified is the full revelation that is the fulfillment to that prophetic thrust of the Old Testament, to that prophetic thrust of Genesis chapters 12 to 22. And we continue. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only begotten son, I will indeed bless you, and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your descendants shall all the nations of the earth bless themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Men swear oaths by calling on the name of the Lord, my friends. God, who has no superior to invoke, must swear by his own name to guarantee the fulfillment of his pledge. This act fulfills the oath. This is so significant, my friends. In verses 16 to 18, God swears an unconditional oath to bless the world through Abraham's offspring. The divine oath of Genesis 22 is central to St. Paul's whole corpus. If you were to go to Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 18, what we are made to see clearly is that what takes place in Genesis 22 indicates that God assumed full responsibility for blessing Israel and the Gentiles in spite of their sins and the curses later imposed by the Mosaic Covenant. For Paul, the act that elicits the oath, the binding of Isaac, prefigures the act that fulfills the oath, the crucifixion of Jesus. I earlier was saying that we don't read Isaac as a typological figure of Christ for the sake of just connecting the dots. There's a much deeper truth there's a much deeper plan at play here. There's a much deeper both promise and fulfillment to be had. And that's God following through on his own 
covenant oath, on his own covenant pledge. Our father is a father who keeps his promises because he does not lie. He cannot contradict himself. Literally, it's not in his nature, his nature, which is absolute truth. Yes, sometimes this truth does not make sense. I say, and, and, and it has been said by many others, that this narrative is so gut-wrenching because as a father, when you read this, I just don't know if I could ever dream of doing that. It just, on one hand, doesn't make sense. But the deeper you go, what is so unconventional, what is so paradoxical, contrary to our expectation, begins to slowly make sense. This is why our conversion is but a lifetime of gradual transformation, because it is that daily revelation of all those unconventional ways that God works. And this we need to be present to. If we are serious about our Christian faith, this is what we need to surrender to. Amen? Amen. All right, I am looking up at the clock, and we are out of time. If you have any questions, comments, observations, as always, please don't hesitate to send me your uh, emails with your questions, with your observations, with whatever you might have for me as we continue to seek to better understand our faith in all that we do, and all that we do, and in all that we say. All right, all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and never shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.com org.